one. <clears throat> Chapter one. Uh, let's see. Uh, they say that you teachers tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but they say that people give quizzes in school for two reasons. One, to see what the people have learned, students have learned, and the next one is to see how well the teachers teach. Is that right, Pat? It is. All right, so this, this quiz is going to be about how well Art and I have taught. <laughs> so, uh, uh, real quick, we'll go through this and then we'll get to a couple of charts and then we'll get to your questions. Uh, and we'll go from there. Next week, Lord willing, we'll be in Hebrews. We'll do our introduction and maybe the first couple of verses of Hebrews next week and then we'll go from there. Okay, Brenda, this one's for you since I've been picking on you all morning. Who wrote the book of Daniel? Daniel. Okay. Around 605 A.D. Okay. Or, or, or B.C. 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 Thank you. Art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you can't, BC, can't BC. believe what I wrote. Can <laughs> B.C. Art and I have taught that Daniel did indeed write the book in his lifetime, but some scholars write that the book was written much later. Why? Art mentioned this more than one occasion. Because the details are so amazing about what happened later. Right on, Cheryl. The details are so amazing that, that the scholar says he couldn't have written it. And yet, they, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he could have done a lot of different things. Thank you. How old was Daniel when he went to Babylon? Pardon? He was a teenager. I've got down 13 to 16. We don't really know how old, but he was a teenager. That's right. How old was he at the book of Daniel? At the end of the book of Daniel? 16. At least that. What, what? 16 and 7. 16 plus 70. 70. That would be 86. Some scholars said even as much as 90. Okay. In, step, in chapter 1, we have a story of Daniel and his friends only eating vegetables and drinking water. Why did Daniel do this? It was a personal conviction, a personal choice that he did. I believe a verse in chapter 1, verse 8 says that he made up his mind so it was a personal conviction that he did to just to eat, eat the vegetables and drink the water. The overarching theme of the book is what? We mentioned that. God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. In, in chapter 3, we have a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in the fire furnace. Why were they thrown in the furnace? wouldn't bow down to the golden statue. So true. In chapter 4, we have Daniel telling Nebuchadnezzar about his dream. After seven periods of time, he would be with the beast of the field. Why did this happen to him? 
Exactly. Because of his pride. In, in chapter 4, verses 28 through 31, you remember he walked out on his veranda and he says, look what I've done. And God says, uh-huh. You know, we have stories in the New Testament about that too, about building greater and bigger barns. Chapter 5, we have a, a new king, uh, Belshazzar. Who was Belshazzar? I know this is a little picky. Pardon? Who said it? Nebuchadnezzar's son. That's it. Okay, chapter 6. Verse 10 tells us that Daniel continued to, continued to kneel on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Because of this, what happened to Daniel? In the lion's den. That's, that's good. In chapter 7, we have... Uh, um, Daniel recording something. He says, the Ancient of Days. Who is he talking about in the Ancient of Days? God. God Himself. God incarnate. Three in one. Okay. In chapter 8, according to Scripture, who represents the shaggy goat? We've talked about that in the in the statue that the chart that Dr. Larkin did who was a shaggy goat 8 verse chapter 8 verse 21 pardon Alexander the Great Alexander the Great right in chapter 9 before Daniel poured his heart out to the Lord for the sins of his for his sins and the sins of Israel, what was he doing and what was he reading? Chapter 9, verse 2. Mm -hmm. Pardon? Reading the prophets and studying. Jeremiah in particular. Jeremiah in particular. And he knew that the 70 years, as you mentioned, were about up and he wondered about what's going to happen to his people. Who was sent to answer his prayer that he prayed in chapter 9? Gabriel. Okay. Okay. Uh, Y'all did pretty good, Soar, and I reckon we did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't miss many. <laughs> yeah, the answer. Okay. All right. Okay, I've got three charts I'm going to throw on the screen and we'll talk about them briefly and then then there's one chart that uh, I've asked permission from Moody Press to, to allow me to print and as of yet they haven't allowed it so if that if I get permission I'll, I'll print it off and give it to you later it comes from a, this little study guide in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians by Ir, or Irving Jensen it has to do with uh, death and, and what's happening to us but let's start off with uh, the chart that you've seen. And by the way, uh, if anybody, these are the last I've got of the Daniel charts. If you want one, you're welcome to them. They're up here. Uh, and help yourself. And Because when they're gone, they're gone. But you're, 
perfect and welcome to look at that. Okay. Art, put that uh, Dr. Larkin chart up there. And this is just part of the chart. I couldn't get it all on the, on the screen. When we went in chapter, the latter part of chapter 9, we had a Chapter nine, we had we had this little Can you go on up some more? You want to go up? Up. I want to get here. Oh, over. Let's see. Well, just up. Over. Okay. Can you see that? It's it's on your chart. Here, let me try something else. Uh, he talked about the 49, 490 weeks. And we said that the first seven weeks were when were when they went back to Jerusalem. And that was key uh, to this dating. And the 62 weeks that is here uh, was uh, all going up to Calvary. And uh, this has all been done. We, we know about it. We've seen the the um, Rome, the Medes and Persians. We've seen the Greeks. We've seen the Roman Empire. As Art talked last week, <clears throat> this Roman Empire, more times than not, is in the silent years, way down here where we've, we're talking. It's the 400 silent years. We don't hear a lot about that. <clears throat> and then we, we teach that the next thing on the radar for us is the rapture of the church right here the rapture of the church we'll talk about that in a minute now let me say this nobody nobody including Dr. Pentecost and all these guys that we've been reading know exactly what's going to happen in end times okay this is what we think. This is what teachers have taught. This is what we teach. But we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we just don't know. But looking at Scripture, we can think that this is what's going to happen. We know that Jesus came and died, and that's the cross, as we see down here, <clears throat> right here at Calvary. <clears throat> at Calvary. And then we're in what we call here the great interlude. We call it the age of grace, which is the Gentile kingdom. The Jews have kind of been put on hold. 
Now, who did Daniel write the book to? I didn't say that in the other. Daniel wrote the book to the Jews. His people, the nation of Israel. And that's who he wrote it to. But we're in this period uh, of the great interlude, as Dr. Larkin calls it, our grace. And the next thing that happens on our timeline, the way we see it and the way we teach, is the rapture of the church. Rapture of the church. Then, <clears throat> then that sets in motion a lot of things. We, we have the 70 week, the 70th week, which is the last seven years of the millennium. Uh, excuse me, the tribulation. Now, <clears throat> a lot's got to happen. You've heard preachers say that Israel is the Lord's time clock. And, and we know that's true. We've talked about the abomination of desolation. Okay, Jesus said when you see the abomination of desolation, you know, it's going to get really, really bad. What, what is that? That's a pagan sacrifice on the Lord's altar. Okay, where is the temple in Jerusalem today? We don't have one. We don't have one. The Jews don't have one. Right now it's a, it's a Muslim mosque on the same place that the Temple Mount was. So when you start hearing <laughs> when you start hearing that the Jews are start are building back the temple, it's getting closer, folks. It's getting closer. We probably I probably won't see it in my lifetime. But that's the Lord's time clock for end times. Now, we teach that nothing has to happen for the rapture of the church. Absolute nothing. He could take us up today. He could take us up tonight. He could take us up when he wants to. Nothing can happen. I mean, nothing has to happen for the rapture of the church. We don't teach that much anymore or don't preach it much anymore until you get a, son, a renegade Sunday school teacher like Vel, uh, Art and I that, that teach, teach it. But <clears throat> to me, something has been lost. And that's the urgency of the gospel in that the Lord can come any time so you need to get your family in the fold, you know. But uh, <clears throat> that's, that's another, <laughs> another lesson for another time. So are you with me on up to, up to the rapture of the church? And we'll throw another little slide up there in a minute. But the rapture of the church. Then we have the the last week the tribulation and the great tribulation and that's when when Jesus said the abomination of desolation that he says when you see that it's going to be really 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 bad and there's some days lit, written there and we don't really know but part of that is the last three and a half and there comes out to be about 85 days left. And <clears throat> um, I get amused sometimes at reading it. <clears throat> the commentators, they said, well, <clears throat> they need time to get things done. And I thought to myself, I said, 
the Lord spoke the world in existence in seven days. He doesn't need 35 days to get ready for his coming. But I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. Nobody really knows. But that's when the calculations all worked out. Okay. At the end of that time, at the end of that time, Jesus will come back the second time. Now, sometimes Christians, we, we, we call the rapture of the church the second coming. But... He doesn't come to earth. We meet Him in the air, according to First Thessalonians. But when He comes back the second time, He'll come back on the Mount of Olives. And Scripture says the Mount of Olives will split. And He'll come back riding a white horse, and He'll come back in vengeance. And we have the Battle, the battle of Armageddon and, and Battle of Gog and Magog and a lot going on. And uh, again... We're just supposing what this is. <clears throat> so this is end times that Daniel had insight to by Gabriel. And this is Dr. Larkin's um, <clears throat> pictorial of what it's going to be. And most evangelical scholars agree with that. <clears throat> now, uh, put that, uh, that premillennial that uh, millennial charter. Yes. I passed this out to you a couple of weeks ago. Let's just look at the top. Um, the one at the top. Law, that was under under law. That's when you had to have all the sacrifices and all of that. And if you go through Leviticus and, and, <clears throat> and Deuteronomy, uh, if you're like Belton and I, we shake our head and I says, thank God we're not under law. I, I don't understand all the sacrifices and what happened. At the end of the law, grace was come. Jesus died on the cross. Whosoever will may come. And we're in this age, what we call grace. Now, as I just said, the rapture of the church can happen at any time. And after the rapture of the church, tribulation will, will happen. It's seven years as uh, Daniel prophesied and then the second coming of Armageddon and then we'll usher into the millennium then we'll have the great white throne judgment for those who uh, do not accept him they'll have to say that that Jesus is Lord according to Philippians every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and then we'll enter eternity future we understand eternity future. I just noticed I spelled it wrong. But anyway, it's eternity future. If you know anything about me, I've got several Achilles heels and spelling is one of them. <clears throat> so anyway, premillennial. Okay, let's see the other chart. Now this is the one that I borrowed from... <clears throat> um, uh, Jensen... And this is the one that a lot of people, uh, I understand it. I, I totally get it. But uh, sometimes we, we, we look at things a little bit different. Okay, we got life. Uh, we got life. We're doing business here. We got life. All right, at death, when we die, and we all will, our spirit immediately goes to be with Christ immediately goes to be with Christ. But our body 
is in the grave. We're all in the grave. Believers and unbelievers are in, in the grave. If you don't know Jesus, your spirit doesn't go to be with Christ, but the unbeliever goes to a place of torment. Uh, a place of torment. Then, <clears throat> at the rapture of the church, we'll meet the Lord in the air, according to First and Second Thessalonians. Then the people who go through the millennium, <clears throat> they go into the great white throne judgment. There's much, much more we could say about that, but this is not the time. This is the first resurrection here. When the believers, all the believers are resurrected. All the believers. Um, <clears throat> before Christ, after Christ, all the believers. The bodies of the unbelievers are reserved through, <clears throat> excuse me, to the great white throne judgment. After that, uh, <clears throat> Satan's bound. He's thrown into, in, into hell faith ever and and those who have never accepted Jesus are thrown in for ever <clears throat> so these three charts kind of culminate what Daniel uh, was revealed by by um, by Gabriel so we'll pause now let me turn the lights on and we'll take some questions give them the heart first <laughs> <laughs> Okay, who's got a question? I can't believe this. <laughs> who's got a question? What about cremation? Cremation? Oh man, you will make me go all night on a limb. But before you answer, why do you ask? Because that's my desire to be cremated. My husband was cremated. My daughter was cremated. Uh, we'll talk sometime. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just curious, why do you ask that in the context of Daniel? Because you're saying the bodies go and then they will rise. Okay. And my, my personal thinking is if God created a body once, he'll do it again. But That's okay. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with it. the method. The method of cremation and and burial, really the two options that uh, families have today. And, and I'm not going to argue either way. Uh, <clears throat> God buried Moses. God did. Every instance in Scripture is burial. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay? Alright. Anything else? Any other question? About anything uh, related to that? <laughs> Bill, this is not a deep question. This is a shallow question. But can, can you email us that? I was out of town when you got that. Okay, it this... This is the one I can't e email you, but I can email you the other one. Uh, this this one was in this little book uh, by Irving Jensen, and it's by Moody Press. However, it was published 44 years ago, and I brought that up to the guy I talked to at Moody. He says, yeah, but we still own, own the rights, and we'll get back with you. So when when they tell me, if, I, if they tell me, uh, 
I'll, I'll print it and give it to you. Anything else? Miss Catherine? How about a person that has made the profession of faith as a youngster and grew up and, and did not uh, continue to study and learn and look with their own way? How are they going to end up? If they've ever said yes to Jesus, Catherine, they're saved. Yeah. If they've ever said yes to Jesus tried to say this when he talked about the parable of the sower. You know, some fell on thorny ground. Uh, and But if they ever said yes to Jesus and they meant it, they're saved. Regardless of what happened uh, later in life. You know, I think, I think they missed a tremendous blessing without living for him. But if they've ever said yes to Jesus, they're saved. By the way, Daddy will deal with this much more detail in Hebrews, because <laughs> there's a there's a there's a passage that kind of talks about what happens when people fall away and what does that really mean, and I'll make sure that he covers that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's called apostasy, but anybody. Uh, anything else? Uh, please, yes, Chris. teach Christians don't teach that there is a holding place if you're saved you're immediately with the Lord absent from the body present with the Lord right. now that's as this chart shows it's their spirit uh, you can go out to the cemetery and dig them up you know and their body's there but they're with the Lord uh, conversely if they don't know the Lord they don't go to heaven they don't go to heaven Good. <clears throat> the distinction about the Catholic teaching of purgatory is that that it's a place that a decision could still be made, right? That um, that maybe uh, you could something could happen to make your punishment less, or uh, could get you into heaven when you're not quite there yet. Um, you know, the concept is that that uh, there are some transactions. To either your advantage or your disadvantage, that can still happen after you after you die. Or you can be prayed out. Of yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you be prayed out of purgatory. Uh, people could offer, uh, and this was one of the ways that that many of the fancy cathedrals were built is by um, saying that you could uh, maybe pay some extra money and uh, get your get your uh, relative out of purgatory uh, a little quicker. Uh, by indulgences and so forth. So this is um, uh, certainly a, a Catholic distinctive that would not be part of traditional evangelical thought. The, uh, the great white throne judgment and everything funnels to there for believers and unbelievers. No, just the, just the lost. <laughs> the the. So there's something on this chart that's that's not shown, and that's um, the judgment seat of Christ, where uh, Christians can receive their reward uh, and uh, you know get your crowns and that sort of thing. Put this um, All right, let me put that. Uh, that's very good, Larry. Um, 
and we we have a, a answer <laughs> but again we don't know okay <laughs> we don't know all right at this and while at the rapture of the church the tribulation is going to be going on down here in heaven we paul has indicated that <clears throat> there's going to be there's going to be a judgment for us as christians that's where our crowns will be given if we have any any and we'll have to uh, face any unconfessed sin at that point but that's the judgment seat of Christ and that'll be going on in glory while tribulation down here on earth is in in tribulation the great white throne is just for the non-believers and <clears throat> the scripture says in there don't you know that the saints will judge the world we will be as saved we will be there in the grandstand to judge these people at the great white throne that's another scripture is there an opportunity for the unbeliever to make a decision we don't we don't teach that there are some people that there are some people in the Christian community that of recent years say that that you can you can be prayed out of hell or have a second chance. It's our teaching that that once you breathe your last breath, any decision you sh should or shouldn't have made is is done at that point. Now let me say one thing. This is a thousand years. There are people coming out of tribulation uh, here that are going into the millennium. <clears throat> There'll be people born during the millennium. All right. <clears throat> the scripture says that the last little part of the millennium, Satan will be loosed again. And he'll be loose so he can tempt the people in the millennium where there has been no sin there has been no devil there's been no temptation they need to make a choice for or against Jesus and there'll be a little point there there'll be some people who who are who are saved at that point uh, I don't know what I did Art but in, at, saved at that point that will not go to the great white throne but those who reject Jesus will go to the great white throne again I don't know what I'm talking about okay y'all understand that okay <laughs> that's the problem sometimes Gwen. <clears throat> anything else anything else okay well it's about time to quit so next week we'll, we'll look at the introduction to Hebrews and we'll look at the first couple of verses of Hebrews and we'll go from there. We started, we started just to give you a little, little back, we, we started in, in Daniel in the middle week of March. So we got um, March, April, May, June, July. We've been in Daniel for five months. So we've got 13 chapters in uh, in. Uh, in Hebrews, but I don't expect we'll get through Hebrews in five months. We may. <laughs> so, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot that's happened in Daniel and in Isaiah 
and what we've talked about that Hebrews for us will clean up for Christians. Can, I want to say one. I want to say one final thing on this particular chart where we've got the premillennial and amillennial. That's okay. Um, and that is uh, how we relate to some of our uh, Christian brothers and sisters. Um, there are um, a variety of different um, faith traditions that, that hold the different views. Um, this position of the, the where we've talked about uh, the rapture of the church um, and then uh, later uh, events happening, there are some of our some of our friends that don't hold to this view, uh, our conservative um, Presbyterian friends, for example, the uh, in fact, pretty much all of the um, the covenant-based uh, faiths, um, which would include you know, Lutherans, uh, uh, our Presbyterians of, of various, you know, uh, many are very conservative, some aren't so conservative, but. Uh, all of those traditions uh, would have this amillennial view, meaning that the rapture of the church is not really something they teach. Um, uh, Catholics also help hold this amillennial view. Um, the, the point is they see that um, when Revelation 20 talks about the millennium, uh, they think it's a symbolic thousand years, that that thousand years is just symbolic of uh, the way the, the, the church age, what's happening with us right now, the, the blessings that come uh, through the church and um, through, uh, through Christ, uh, that, that that's what the millennium is in, in figurative form. Um, and ultimately it comes down to whether or not you think that um, God's promises to uh, the nation of Israel are going to be uh, specifically fulfilled to the, the the Jewish nation, so to speak. Uh, and if you if you feel that that go, those special promises that were made to the Jews are going to be filled to the Jews specifically, then that would be more this premillennial view that that Dad and I have have um, uh, believed and, and have taught. If you believe that it's more um, all focused on the church and that there aren't any special uh, promises that, that need to be fulfilled to the Jews and you would fall into this more amillennial views. Um, there are some, some God-fearing Bible teachers that hold this view that I've learned from in the past that I respect, people like J.I. Packer, for example, uh, good folks, um, but they just have a different view of this. So as you talk with people, if you, if you um, kind of compare notes, um, there are some reasons, uh, some valid reasons why they may hold that view. Um, but uh, uh, each view has their own problem scriptures that you have to deal with, and ultimately you have to decide uh, kind of which way to go. But uh, so there are some there are some orthodox, you might say, people who believe the amillennial view. But then there are some uh, some more uh, denominations and so forth that we would have uh, bigger points of disagreement with, like our Catholic friends uh, who happen to hold the same view of, of end times. But you know what? It don't matter. It yeah, don't matter. The, the, the best quote I, I learned in all my reading uh, over these past few months was, uh, it's better to be ready than to be right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Thank you. Uh, let's pray and you go find your place. Father, we thank you.
We thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you that you moved in his heart many, many years ago to write. And we thank you for the prophecy it fulfills and our holds and teaches. And Lord, we know that, that it is prophecy and we don't have the final word, but you do. As we come back again and state one more time that we see God's sovereignty all through the book and it's what you want to do and how you want to conduct uh, the world's affairs. As Art has just said, it's best for us just to be ready and be sure that everybody we know and everybody we love and everybody we come in contact with is ready to see Jesus. And we thank you for that. Bless, bless Brother Osteen as he preaches this morning and we'll be careful to give you the praise for everything that's said and done. For it's in the name of Jesus, the name above all names that we ask it. Amen. <coughs> These charts are up here if you want them. Please get them.